Hello again. This is Digging for Something, and as usual, I am your host, JJ. So on a previous podcast or two, I uh, expressed my frustration with IKEA. So this week I had another IKEA adventure. Um, first, um, my daughter, she she got some uh, IKEA furniture for her birthday. And she asked me, well, practically demanded that I build it for her. Well, of course, what am I going to say? No, um, it's not the funnest thing to do, but hey, it makes her happy. And uh, she appreciates me for a couple days. Uh, so I build it. And uh, a couple things that my mother had purchased for her, it was two uh, drawers sets. Uh, small drawer sets. And after everything was built, uh, she realized that <laughs> it's too much. That uh, it wasn't going to fit in her room properly. So I get that phone call again. Papa, can you take me to Ikea? She wants to return it and then get a different one, just one taller one. And of course, I begrudgingly said, okay. I said, what time do they close? Eight o'clock. Did you call them? Did you speak to them? Asked about the return. Yes, blah, 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 blah. So went to Ikea and lugged these two uh, drawers into the, the, the um, front of the store to be told, Oh, returns close at 6. And it was 6.14. So I look at her. I'm like, did you check? Did you ask? And she said that uh, they didn't tell her anything about that. So she's she's not an adult. She's not going to go the extra mile. I probably should have double-checked. And even though I was frustrated and annoyed, uh, it was it was partially my fault. Um, for some reason, I went the wrong way. It was, I don't know what I was thinking. And if I hadn't gone the wrong way, there's a decent possibility would have made it there on time. So even though we might not have made it, there would have been a chance to make it. So it was partially my fault. So of course I said, we'll go tomorrow or the next day, which, uh, we did and had to wait outside till our number was called. And um, actually, the uh, return process is, uh, it was fairly easy until they asked me, uh, do you have the credit card that was used? So we, we need we need the physical card to credit. I was like, what? I go, it was an online purchase by my mother. And she was like, oh, we need the card. I was, I was about to get really frustrated again until she said, the only other thing we're going to do is give you a store credit. I, was, I first thought to myself, why didn't you tell me that from the beginning? But I was like, whatever. I'll just go with it. And yeah, I was like, we're going right in actually to uh, buy something in the place anyway. So I got the store credit and um, and went in there, got it uh, much heavier. It was <laughs> odd trying to get a cart. Um, and uh, 
decided to head head back and build it same day. Yay, lucky me. Um, but since I already built a, a drawer cabinet, a cabinet with drawers, um, I kind of, I didn't even need instructions. It was, it was the same thing, just bigger. Uh, building those drawers and all uh, the the cabinet itself, it was it was real easy, real quick. And uh, the one thing about IKEA, even though they frustrate me, and you have to build everything, and and I don't, I I won't buy you know you know solid great furniture for every you know, if it's a desk or things like that. Um, I'm I'm fine with the IKEA or, or things they have to build. Um, uh, I I don't even mind building it. There's uh, was a little bar cart that I liked that I had to build, and that was actually a mission. Um, and to be honest, even though you have to build everything with IKEA, they've really mastered the manufacturing of these of these pieces, and it is so consistent. Um, I've never had to worry about missing pieces or parts with IKEA. Uh, everything's there. The holes are exactly where they're supposed to be. Uh, the um, the uh, hardware, all perfect, and it's very simple. They they make they they manufacturing in a way that pretty much anybody can do it. Even though the instructions sometimes gets a little annoying because it's only pictures. It, it another piece of furniture. It it'll it'll show you okay. Uh, panel A and panel C put together you know, with IKEA. I don't know if it's if it's just some things, but the panels themselves that you know they're, they're not really identified. So you really have to look to make sure because you'll have two sides and you have to make sure you use the correct sides and and things like that. But uh, for the most part, it's manufactured very well. And uh, I mean, it's it's not the most solid furniture. It's particle board or chipboard. Uh, it's not going to last forever, but for its purpose. The price point, you uh, really can't complain. But hopefully, I will not have uh, any new IKEA adventures anytime soon. So, big news this week: Joe Biden finally, finally named his running mate, and not shocking at all. Uh, he uh, he chose Kamala Harris, and I I think it was really between her and um, uh, what was the uh, I think it was Susan Rice during the Obama administration. I think it really came down to those two. Those I think were the safest pick. Kamala Harris it was probably the safest pick, um, especially being that she was in the. Um, in the primary running in the primaries for the democratic nomination. So I think it was definitely, um, an obvious choice and by all reports, whether they may deny it or not, um, he, he definitely, um, was looking for a female, um, black female or person of color. However, the terms are being used now. Um, that's who he was looking for. So, Kamala Harris is uh, probably the safest pick he can go with, um, and she she definitely has uh, 
um, established herself as a good running mate. Um, she's definitely highly educated, uh, worked in government in various aspects, um, is currently a, a senator for California. So she, she definitely um, checks a lot of boxes as far as being a running mate. Now, um, she hasn't been in, in a senator very long, and it may, I'm wondering if this, the same um, kind of negativity came, will come around her like uh, it did for when uh, Sarah Palin ran with uh, John McCain. And John McCain was, he was no spring chicken. And um, Sarah Palin was from a population-wise, uh, population a small state. Uh, she was a governor of there. She wasn't really well known. And was she too inexperienced to be president if anything happened to, to John McCain? Um, Kamala Harris, even though she comes from California, um, she may, may not have the same experience. So some people may use that as a, 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 something detrimental, which honestly, I don't really believe it is. But um, the same way it was used against Sarah Palin, some may want to put it on her. Now, it probably, honestly, it's definitely, um, I mean, no two ways around it because she's a female. Um, she will, she, she'll have a lot more, she, she won't be given the same leeway as a male in, in her position. Um, but she, she definitely does have a uh, a solid background. Um, as I said, she's uh, the, um, one of the senators in California, the junior senator in California. Uh, she was a prosecutor. She after after law school, she I believe she began to work in Los Angeles District Attorney's Office. So she's been she was a prosecutor for years. And um, she worked her way up to Attorney General of the State of California. Um, so she, that's definitely a huge accomplishment. Uh, let's be honest, California is a, a huge state with a boatload of, of attorneys that, that, could be, uh, that could be named Attorney General. So to be respected that much and... Um, and be given that opportunity. And uh, she was not, um, you know, she, she was, she wasn't old, but she wasn't young. So she definitely made a name for herself. Um, probably she had political aspirations from years ago. And uh, that's, uh, that definitely helped uh, you know, her ambition definitely helped get her uh, to where she, 
to the success she attained. Now, as far as I know, she doesn't have any kids. Um, she is married. Um, and actually, I didn't even know this. Um, she's married to a white male, a white man. Um, and also about Kamala Harris, uh, which I didn't know until I kind of read up on her. Um, she she's comes from a, a, I guess, a mixed family. Uh, her mother is from India and her father is from Jamaica. I mean, he's, he's, he has Jamaican, I don't know if he's Jamaican heritage or he's from Jamaica. So he, uh, she definitely has, uh, parents who come from very different backgrounds, which I think is great. Um, it, I think anything that can, can open, open one's mind, um, broaden their knowledge, broaden their cultural knowledge, uh, I think is excellent. Now, uh, her, her husband, I think they've, they've only been married um, not, not even 10 years. He's a white man. And of course, uh, um, the, uh, unfortunately, and people want to point to our current president, Donald Trump, as the, as the, I guess the lightning rod for all the racists out there. Um, but let's be honest, there were racists before he took office. There'll be racists after he took office. Uh, the racists didn't disappear when uh, President Obama was in office. A racist is a racist, pure and simple. Um, doesn't matter who holds that office. Um, when Obama was in office, um, it, it didn't embolden black Americans any more than they already were. Uh, if Donald Trump is in office, whether he's racist or not, um, no. just because he's a white conservative male doesn't mean that you know he's a KKK member, um, and doesn't mean that the racists, the you know the bigots out there, whether they're hidden or out in the open, are any more emboldened. So. Um, that's that's not gonna that's never gonna change. No no matter where the BLM movement goes, their racism is not gonna disappear at all. You look at the most liberal countries in the world, uh, even though many countries in Europe kind of uh, talk about us and our um, our diversity issues that we have here, Europe is just as racist, if not more. Um, so it's not going anywhere and it's, and it's all directions too. It, it, there's racist, racism in every culture, every, every religion. Um, it's not just white on, on, uh, blacks and, uh, Latins, uh, racism goes across the board. Um, <laughs> racism, racism is, is doesn't discriminate against who is racist. <laughs> That's just how it is. So th those racists out there are going to uh, scoff that a white man would marry a uh, Kamala Harris. And of course, um, because of her color, uh, she's going to be disparaged and things like that. But 
it's also going to be within the people of color community. I still, nah, the, the terms we need to say now, I think it's just overly politically correct, but it is what it is. Now, those who might say she was a safe choice and she might not be black enough <laughs> for black America. Um, because let's be honest, Indians, people born in India are not looked at as, you know, in the same realm as Latins and, um, and blacks. They're just not. So, uh, she just may not be black enough for, um, for, for, uh, the most, I guess, not militant, but extreme of, uh, black America that they're not going to just vote for her just because she is of color. And uh, let's be honest, uh, just like there's whites out there who don't agree with interracial marriage, there's a lot of, of people in the black community and I've known them. I've known, I've, I've known people, I've known racists on every side there is. And, uh, it's it's not just one group of people that have racist beliefs or or discriminate or do not want to intermingle so there there are a lot of uh, of people in the black community that um especially a a a black woman who is educated um well off going to be, why, why couldn't she find a good black man? And, uh, and a lot of, and unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, feel that way. Um, whether it's interracial, interracial, international, intercultural, um, many harbor those feelings. And it's unfortunate. Um, again, I, I did not, I didn't know she was married to a white man. To me, who cares? Um, you know, it's uh, he's he's obviously uh, very secure in uh, in his skin, um, because when she was running for president, he was he was going to be right there by her side. Um, well, when she was running for the Democratic nominee, he was going to be right there by her side. So he's comfortable and also carries his own skin. He supports her, which is great. Uh, as a man, I know it's not easy. Um, as a man, you want to be in control, and I know, me too, inequality, blah, 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 blah. Um, but men, especially from a certain certain generations, we feel like we have to we have to lead the family. Um, and there's there's a lot of women out there who would love to just be a housewife and not have to work. So. Uh, <laughs> it's on, it's on both sides. Um, yeah, equality is great, but you know, not, not every woman wants to work. Some, uh, cherish their time with their kids and being a housewife and, uh, doing the events with their kids. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with a woman who works. Um, but, uh, he's going on this ride with her and, <sighs> It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to campaign. Because let's be honest, they, I say let's be honest a lot, but 
I guess that's my thing. Um, it's not like they were <laughs> they were best of friends on, uh, during the campaign trail. Uh, she eventually saw that she wasn't going to get the nomination. Probably didn't want to see Bernie Sanders get the nomination. So she endorsed Joe Biden. And I'm sure there were, there were many things uh, they said about each other on the campaign trail that they had to have a lot of discussions about to kind of get past. Because it's not only about, all right, sorry, let's buy, be, let bygones be bygones. You, you got to talk them out and um, get them out in the open, squash them in order to be able to uh, be on the same ticket and campaign together um, because they have to be genuine together. If they're not, it's going to, it's going to show. Now, once again, she was a safe candidate, but she's, mm, she's definitely not a, a perfect candidate. And honestly, who is Um, now she is, Liberal enough to to get uh, Republicans uh, skin tingling, and uh, probably will target her and attack her. Um, yeah, she's, but at the, at the same token, she is not liberal enough for the progressives, and uh, so not everybody in her own party is going to be on board with her. And uh, so in in that way, that's why she's not the perfect candidate. Uh, Perfect candidate you want your entire party to be on board with. Um, I think lately the Democratic Party has probably broadened uh, their membership a lot more with um, more socialists and progressives coming out. Um, well, she did what she is against a death penalty, even though she's a former prosecutor. Um, she definitely has, uh, has, whether it be as attorney general or senator fought for, for, uh, climate environmental initiatives. So that, that definitely makes her, um, somebody that obviously uh, the liberals could be on board with. However, she was a former prosecutor, uh, attorney general. Uh, She was not a pro bono defense attorney or um, an attorney activist or anything like that. She was a prosecutor putting people behind bars. And with a lot of the defund the police or abolish the police, you're not going to get that from her. And hopefully she will not let the mob, not necessarily influence her, but to hide her true opinions Um, with a lot of calls for defunding um, and worst cases where people have called for abolishment, which is just ridiculous. And I've... I've talked about it before. Uh, she's definitely not on board with that. Um, she has been, uh, I'm not going to say she's been the toughest prosecutor ever, but she has uh, tried to be tough on crime. And um, with, with sentencing and things like that, she's she's not the, the ACLU liberal. Um, 
Uh, she definitely is in favor of gun control, but those you know, violent crimes, um, uh, crimes involving guns, she has really fought for um, harsher prison sentences. So, um, and obviously she's worked with law enforcement uh, since her days uh, in the in the district attorney's office. So uh, she's definitely, unless she's going to appeal to that segment of the population, she, she is not in favor of, uh, of abolishing, um, defunding, um, you know, she may, she may be in favor of kind of funneling some, some of the budget to uh, social, um, maybe kind of moving some things away from as far as uh, police responsibilities that can go to other social services um, that maybe don't necessarily need police, but um, you know, California is California is a beautiful state, but it has a lot of crime as well. So um, she knows the need for police is there, and uh, that's something that the the anarchists like in Portland and Seattle and other cities are, are not going to be happy with, but live with it. That's just the way it is. Um, Now, she has also, now, one of the things that I have spoken about is the need to look at the criminal justice system. And, and punish the ones who, re, who really deserve to be punished. And not punishing those who are only hurting themselves and not really posing serious threat to others. Um, in many cases, especially uh, um, in the black community, the sentences for nonviolent offenses have, have been unfairly high uh, for, for um, the, uh, the black felons who've gone through the court system. And once again, this is something that when I was younger, I didn't really see things. Maybe I was sheltered. Uh, as I got older and, and got a little more educated, yeah, I, I, I definitely see. I mean, you see, I, I've spoken about Brian Banks. Um, yeah, he was sentenced to prison for a crime he didn't commit. And the, the prosecution really let him down. Um, his attorney really let him down. And then uh, you have Brock Turner, I believe that was his name. He was a college swimmer, white. He wound up getting four months, um, even though he was, it was witnessed as a crime he committed. So the disparity is, is there, and it does need to be fixed. And, and I think um, she has tried to do some kind of uh, reform initiatives, um, you know, not, not letting dangerous criminals out, but the ones who need a chance and um once again just only hurting themselves uh nonviolent um just try to work with those in the system and um yeah don't have their 
ticket for the rest of their life already punched. Um, get them help. So either way, um, it's going to be an interesting campaign trail um, now that Joe Biden has selected his running mate. And I'm probably going to watch as little as I can because it's definitely going to be dirty. Um, it's going to be a negative, dirty campaign on both sides. Uh, we know how Donald Trump is. Um, even his friends, he's not the nicest person to. And we know that Joe Biden is going to attack Trump. Kamala Harris is going to attack Trump. It's just, it's going to be the commercials, the, oh, it's just, going, it's going to be a little too much. I'm, I'm really not going to watch it because, um, some debates, I'll probably watch debates and things like that. I will not watch the commentary after it because I, I can decipher what's being said as I watch it. I don't need a, a slanted political pundit to tell me what I just, what I just heard. Um, so other than that, uh, it's just going to be a lot of bickering back and forth. Uh, um, unfortunately, that's what it's gone to. And hopefully it would, we're not going to see uh, news about Twitter. There's Twitter attacks and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be front page news for the next two, three months. So <laughs> let's get ready for it. Uh, another thing I want to cover for this podcast is we were going with the term cultural appropriation. Um, in the, in my last podcast, I spoke about, uh, the WAP video with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion and the uproar with Kylie Jenner. And um, she has been accused by many of cultural appropriation, which it's it's another thing that's going to the extreme. Now, um, that family, I, I definitely have, uh, have not said many flattering words about them. And... Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but as far as the cultural appropriation and the claims and the criticism she gets read that, I, I just think it's just it's just overblown. It just it's just ridiculous. And um, even the term cultural appropriation, uh, I I kind of wanted to look it up to see exactly what it means. And and uh, so I kind of get a better, better understanding. The exact definition is the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of customs, practices, ideas, etc. of one people or society by members of another and typically more dominant people or society. So what does that mean? Uh, Basically means if a white person has cornrows, it's cultural appropriation. And it could just be that that person likes the cornrows. Um, now, people like different styles. And just because it may not be typical for that person's race or culture to constantly um, be called out just because you like a specific style, um, it's, it's not stealing and claiming as your own. Now, if, if let's say Kylie Jenner, um, which I'm saying the name again, which it's an easy target. 
if she wears corn corn rolls and and says, "Hey, I'm this is the new style uh, I want to start," you know, then that is cultural appropriation because she's taking a style which is um, primarily uh, in, in the Black culture in the United States, uh, which originated in Africa. So it's it, it's I don't want to say it was brought over and all that, but you know, the term African American comes from Africa. So uh, if she were to start wearing them and try to claim it as her own, that is definitely cultural appropriation. Now, if just wearing it to to um, because she likes the style, what's wrong with that? You know, just like calling somebody out a white person with uh, dreadlocks. That's not cultural appropriation. First of all, it was it was started in it wasn't even started in Africa. Um, most people associate um, dreadlocks with Jamaica, so because uh, it really started, I think, in like Middle East and even in India, and then kind of moved uh, to Africa. So and then Jamaica is really where you know with the uh, Rastafaris and all that. So. If you think about it, if a black person has a has dreadlocks and they're not from Jamaica, (laughs) can they be accused of cultural appropriation? Uh, They won't be. But if a white person does it, it is. And somebody can just like the style. Everybody knows where it's from. It's not cultural appropriation. Stop calling people out. It's just like getting tans, uh, straightening the hair, getting blonde hair. Um, those things, people like it, um, you know, many, just because somebody who has wavy hair straightens their hair because they like, uh, in like China, China and Japan, uh, these Asian countries, they typically have black, straight, straight hair and straight, straight. That's usually what I get told by women, but yeah, it's straight, straight. So if somebody is doing it here, it's not cultural appropriation against Asians. It's just they like the straight hair. Uh, just like if 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 a black female dyes her hair blonde, she just likes it blonde. It's not because trying to steal the culture of uh, somebody from Sweden. It's um, it just it's just too much. Uh, people can just like a style and go with it. It's not a big deal. Um, now I have mentioned, uh, that my background, uh, my mother is from Cuba. Now, anybody with Cuban ancestry knows about guayaberas and those are shirts. They're kind of dress shirts, even though they look very casual. Uh, they're basically short sleeve button down shirts, uh, with, uh, some kind of, um, kind of like lined, sewed in, um, not really ruffles, but sewed in on both sides, straight down. And it has two upper pockets, two lower pockets. This is, uh, it it was a really popular shirt in Cuba. Now, after the revolution, uh, a lot of the Cuban citizens did not, do not wear it in Cuba. It's usually the government, but um, for many of the Cubans who moved to the United States, Guayaberas, you know, you go to Little Havana, you see a lot of Guayaberas. 
Uh, I, I don't know why Obeda. Now, <laughs> the percentage of Cubans in the United States is less than 1%. Uh, does that mean anybody who's not Cuban is, you know, and wears one could be cultural appropriation? Or is it okay for a Colombian because a Colombian is Latin to wear a guayabera, but a, a Irish person or a black person cannot wear a guayabera? For me, I don't care. Wear it. You like it? You wear it. Yeah, it's, it's a shirt. Yes, it was. It's really part of the Cuban culture and really, really part of the Cuban culture. Um, just like, it's okay. I mean, Latin dances, salsa dances. You can play that at an Irish wedding. You can play it at a black wedding. You can play it at an Italian wedding. You know, it's it's song. It's music. It's not cultural appropriation trying to take somebody else's culture. It's, it's immersing yourself in that culture. Uh, it's, being a fan of that culture, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I was given a gift by a a co-worker. She's from India, and um, she went back to India for vacation, and she uh, she brought me and uh, another co-worker of mine um, a shirt from India that is typically worn by Indian men in in um, her region. Now, there's two things that I can be called out for. If I don't wear it, I'm being rude because I'm not wearing the gift. But if I wear it and go out just around town, uh, obviously, you look at me, I'm not Indian. Is it cultural appropriation? Can I be called out for that? Now, there's always double standards and uh, where we are as a society right now, uh, nobody will bat an eye. But if we're going by the same scale that everybody is using now, I could be called out for cultural appropriation. Um, the thing about it is I don't wear this shirt. And not because I'm trying to be rude and not because I don't want to be called out for cultural, cultural appropriation. It's just too small on me. <laughs> so... Um, and I didn't have the heart to tell her that it's <laughs> just too small. Um, I kind of feel bad. Um, the thing about it is I'm not a small guy. Uh, uh, she she should have known <laughs> the size. Uh, I think when you buy somebody clothes, it's always safer to go with a size larger than you think they are, especially if you're, if you're making a purchase, um, in a place that you can't return <laughs> or exchange. And the person either has to wear it or not, or give it away. Um, so uh, I definitely have not have not worn it. Uh, I appreciate the gift. If it did fit, I would definitely wear it. But unfortunately, it does not. So, uh, but if I did, and I was in the wrong place, or somebody took a picture, you, you know, there's so much. So, there's so many social media trolls out there. Somebody might see me or take a video of me and then post me and say, look, here's another example of uh, cultural appropriation by, by a person. And, and then that would be plastered all over the place and people would click like and agree, oh, look at this person. Uh, they're not from India trying to take an Indian culture, blah, 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 blah. But then 
nobody would actually ask me where I got the shirt and saying it was a gift from an Indian citizen. But that's where society is right now. It's like everybody feels the need to call uh, others out. Now, you know, there's there, there's definitely some things that could be in line with cult, cultural appropriation, but we, we need to loosen that standard and let people just like what they like. And if they like it, there's nothing wrong with it. Now, if somebody is doing it mocking, uh, using it as a Halloween gift, mocking, making fun of, then, you know, obviously that that is offensive and it should be called out. But if a person is doing it or her a certain way, um, speaking a certain way, uh, dressing a certain way because they like it, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, another Indian man that uh, I, uh, a coworker of mine, he loves salsa music. There, there's no salsa music in India, but where he was working, there was a lot of it, and he loves it. And that's what's great about different cultures being together. Now, one of the, the huge benefits of living in a melting pot, which a lot a lot of, of this country is a melting pot. I've grown up in a melting pot. The big cities across the country are melting pots, which different races, cultures, religions. The great thing about living in a melting pot is, one, you get to learn about different cultures and and not necessarily experience their experiences, but understand uh, the different experiences and, and kind of get out of your, your, little, uh, your little rabbit hole and to, to see and to hear um, what else goes on in the world. And, and that's one thing I've always been interested in. When I meet people from different countries, I ask about those countries. I ask uh, whether it's the economics or uh, the religion and, and um, the, the governments and if they're part of the old Soviet Union, you know, uh, how have things changed and things like that. I like to get into it. And you learn from these cultures and you 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 kind of immerse yourself in the different things. So if you if we want to be a melting pot, if we want to cut the div- divisiveness in this country, and I get tired of hearing about the current president, Donald Trump, how he's dividing the nation. He's not doing anything different than the, the rest of society is. When people are calling out others for cultural appropriation because they're wearing their hair in, in a manner they like because they liked that style, you're dividing us. If we're a melting pot, we should have all these cultures in that same melting pot, all the customs, all the different styles. And if we're going to be one, we should be able to to do that. So if, if, if a black person wants to straighten and put blonde hair, if a white person wants to get corn rolls, if a Latin person wants to get dreadlocks, uh, if an Asian person uh, wants to uh, get curly hair, if all us pale people want to get sun and get some tans so we don't look like ghosts, it's all okay. We're in a melting pot. As long as we're not mocking, we're not making fun of, we're not trying to um, steal somebody else's culture. We just like it. 
and use it. You know, some things, I don't know who invented the the white tank top, or as we sometimes call it, the white feeders. The white tank top undershirt to wear that in public. I don't know who started it. Uh, I just wish it would stop. It's not, it's not appropriate clothing in public. It's an undershirt. So I don't care who started it because I've seen every color, every nationality uh, do it. Stop it, please. It's not appropriate attire to wear in public. It's an undershirt. You wear a shirt over that. So I don't care who started it. Let's 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 uh let's try to stop it. But either but back to the point. Let's enjoy our melting pot. As long as we get in our melting pot and appreciate and ingratiate everybody else's culture, and even if we like it, that's the only thing that'll keep us together. If we want to scream at somebody else who's who's if. If there's a, um, a an Anglo white American 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 person wearing a Ayurveda, good. It's that's the culture expand. Let's all because if gets called out for wearing it, we're just dividing us even more. And isn't that where we're trying to stop? Trying to stop the divisiveness. And. Everybody has to be part of it. And it may be strange seeing some somebody other than yourself um, wearing an article of clothing that is yours, that they're not part of your 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 community. Um, but it's okay. It's okay. Appreciate it. Because that's the only way we'll be together. That's it. Uh, so don't call it out because it's going to divide us. Um, and the ones who are calling out as far as the cultural appropriation movement, the extremists, are no better than the ones accusing Donald Trump of doing the same thing. Because it it's being done in a different way. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's still being divisive. Period. Now, whether everybody agrees with that doesn't matter. It's my own opinion. That's what the show is about. It's my show, so it's my opinions, and uh, and also opinions change. Uh, uh, I think most people don't have the exact same opinions in their forties or fifties that they had in their teens or twenties. So. Uh, a, a lot of life's experiences and, and uh, the wisdom you incur kind of changes some of your opinions. And um, so we'll see where society goes, but in all our facets, let's do better. Every single one of us, me included. And with that, we will end this episode. Uh, if you have any comments or topics you'd like for me to discuss, uh, feel free to send me an email at diggingforsomething at AOL.com. And I thank you for listening to this episode of Digging for Something. I am JJ, and I will see you when I see you.